0: Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it! So here's what you get from Canada Ryan and
1: Jason. Jason. Jason, how you doing? Welcome to uh, the worst of the best podcast. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Uh, It's a beautiful, another beautiful day. Our last episode was a big one. Our last episode was about time travel and theories. It was pretty content heavy. We had to use math. We had to use science. We had to use uh, philosophical brain cells. This one's a little bit easier. I think this one's going to be a little bit easier. I not to say more fun because we try to make all our episodes fun, but this is more light. It will be. (laughs) We... Way more light, actually. So what are we talking about? This is completely pointless, but still controversial arguments. So as we go through this list, we're going to present the argument. And then, independent of each other, we're going to say to each other, we don't know, we haven't talked about this beforehand. I don't know where Jason sits on the side of things. He doesn't know where I sit on the side of things. We're going to offer our opinions as to why we think our choices are either equal or different from each other. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to pick what we think is the worst completely pointless but still controversial argument that people can have so basically which one is the one you shouldn't really die on a hill on yeah, yeah that like makes this- sense yeah okay seemingly meaningless fights Jason can easily break up a relationship and one phrase that often triggers them is the infamous you're doing it wrong whether it's a debate over the best type of pizza or the merits of pineapples Topping these seemingly trivial arguments somehow manage to ignite a spark in us, making us feel the need to defend our viewpoint at all costs. We become consumed by a sense of righteous indignation, stubbornly refusing to budge even if the argument seems ridiculous. In this discussion, Jason and I are going to delve into 10 pointless yet highly controversial arguments that continue to plague relationships.
0: Are these arguments that you've actually had I've heard of people having these conversations sure. but is this something that you've actually participated in
1: well that's a good question so we should let the audience know that we've scoured the internet we've uh, we interviewed thousands of people well hundreds let's not be excited you know we've, we interviewed hundreds of couples <laughs> we data collected from all around the world to get some of these major arguments some of them I will say sort of yes. Some of these definitely have come across my conversations with people. Have I had a truly an argument? No, no, but I think people have and our listeners can let us know that they have as well. Okay,
0: so Jay, you've got the first one. Okay. Bait over the proper orientation for hanging toilet paper seems to never end. Regardless of of your preference, you can be sure that someone out there has a strong opinion about it. If you're an over- advocate you argue that it's the superior option as it makes the paper easier to access while also preventing it from rubbing against the wall <laughs> and getting it dirty. It's also more visually pleasing and avoids the frustration of fumbling. <laughs> so this is so silly. So when we say over the the toilet paper is the toilet paper hanging over. F- the, yeah it's
1: facing yeah, the front, the front. A, Yeah, yeah okay.
0: On the other hand there's the under Supporters argue that it's the way to go because it looks better with the loose and hidden behind the roll, preventing the paper from unfurling too quickly. (laughs) Additionally, it's easier to tear off a piece without the risk of unraveling the entire Mm. roll, and your furry friend can't unroll it over the bathroom floor. It's a little bit harder
1: for pets to grab
0: or a cat, yeah. Here's the question. Do you make a conscious decision
1: how you put the toilet paper on, or do you haphazardly throw the new roll onto the roller without even knowing which way you're putting it? I feel like I should go look. Um, I know. I actually think that, dude just run out the garage, <coughs> go out the door here, and go see where my toilet paper is hanging. I think I answered my own question. I think I kind of haphazardly put it on.
0: I think my preference is actually um, under. Oh. okay. Why the under?
1: I think for myself... <laughs> Is it easier to grab and wipe?
0: <laughs> this is scary odd.
1: So, so uh, Mia and our um, chat, she she said that her and her partner Kayla they argue about that all the time. So they actually do have arguments. This is a re- this is a real you know, this, thing. This,
0: well, we know it's real because we did scour the whole internet.
1: That's right, we scoured the internet. I would say for me, I'm kind of an under guy as well. I'm with you, and I think yeah. I go with that because. It's true. When you have it in the front, when you pull on it in the front, I feel like a lot more comes down unnecessarily. And I've actually found myself rolling the back. I don't don't need that much. Not today. Not today. (laughs) Today's a good day. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we all get this like, when will the wiping stop? Stop. Somebody's going to jump in and they're going, this is why you need a bidet. That's how I pronounce it, right? Bidet, yeah. Have you ever used one? I haven't. I don't
1: get it. I understand. And people swear by it.
0: People swear by it. Once (laughs) you try it, they swear by it. And then this would probably end the argument of over and under. I guess.
1: I guess. Is it it like a little Japanese guy in the bottom
0: of the toilet? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: With a garden hose? (laughs) I want Uh, want to
0: enjoy the uh, setup. Like the setup of the bidet. Yeah. Like fine-tuning the positioning.
1: I couldn't do a bidet. I, d- I don't get it. I find there's just a lot of splattering and wet everywhere. Like, how does it know where the. Do you have to position the I mean. You, have, you with... have to, like, align it, change the degree. Everyone's bodies are different. So <laughs> there might be some finagling you might have to do. Do you have to. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we got some listeners who are saying that we're both wrong. That's Mia. She's saying she isn't over. She likes you to be over. over. All right. Well, I agree with her partner. Sorry, Mia. Okay. Cat versus dog. This one is definitely a debate people have. You often hear people say, "I'm a dog person. I'm a you know I'm a cat person." The debate between cats and dogs has raged on for ages and shows no signs of slowing down. But why not embrace the discussion? and approach it with a positive attitude and an open mind. Those in the feline cap argue that cats are superior to dogs. They, they boast about the independence of their furry companions who don't require daily walks or bark at every little thing. Plus, who can resist the soothing sound of a cat's purr? They make for low-maintenance pets only needing a litter box and the occasional grooming. If you value peace, quiet, and low-key snuggles, a cat is the ultimate companion. But, dog lovers aren't going to back down without a fight. They'll argue that dogs are truly man's best friend for a reason. Their unwavering loyalty and love are unparalleled, and they're always thrilled to see you. With their intelligence and trainability, dogs can learn tricks, perform tasks, and even save lives. They make for the perfect adventure companions, eager to run, hike, or play fetch. And let's not forget about their undeniable cuteness, those floppy ears and wagging tails could brighten anyone's day. Well, those are good arguments for both. Jason, where do you fall?
0: Well, I've had both at the same time as well. But for me, it's dog. Just the interaction and you feel like you have a relationship with the dog. Where a cat, I don't really feel like they're... Reciprocity, reciprocity, whatever. That, yeah, there's no, uh, They don't reciprocate. They don't really. The, they
1: don't give As back. Well. What you've given. You've, no. They don't give back to you what you've given them. Sure. Yeah, that is an argument. I've heard that too. I will argue a little bit or push back against a little bit of that I've been a cat owner, the majority of my adult life. I've had more cats and dogs. Now we've recently got a dog from Mexico to rescue. She is just a sweetheart. Of course, she's a like a total. Snuggle companion, she's just love you know, yeah, she does give back to you something that's unique. I think that's however, our cats are very affectionate too. There's definitely you can definitely tell that our cats, when they haven't seen us for a bit or they come in from being outside, but they do the snuggles and the purring. And the- so, there's definitely they're showing the way a cat can show, but they just show it differently. So, it all depends on how you like to have. But, yeah, I got, I take my dog for a run. I don't take my cats for a run. Yeah, see, so that's it, the thing.
0: Like, you know, if you go camping, hiking, right. um, a lot of different family activities, the dog is easily included. Uh, one thing I would argue about the dog, as much as I love the dog and how much the dog gives the love
1: back, she'll knock things over or she gets in the way and she's like – falls me in the kitchen, I trip over something like just sometimes it's like it's like having a toddler, go away. Just I don't <laughs> not everything I'm doing has to do with you. Like I'm just sometimes they're a little bit needy-ish in a sense because they're like, Oh, but what, what are you doing? You doing dishes now? Can I look can I look a plate or you're putting your shoes on? Are we going for for a run? No, I'm just I need to take the garbage out of it. So sometimes it's a little much. People can't be bothered by that, and I get that. So that's where cats come in where they do show affection. They'll snuggle with you, and you can pet them. And that's the low key. They don't really ask for much, and they're kind of cool with you just being cool with them. So, yeah, I'm both is what I'm getting at. So this is a hard one for me. So if you have to say, Ryan, which one would you choose if you had to choose? I, like I love my dog, and I love going on runs with her. But if I had to choose one pet to have the rest of my life, you know, the rest of my existence after this one passes away, let's say I'd be happy with cats. I don't mind really? the low, yeah. I don't mind the low maintenance, low key. Me, because I've just oh, raised so many kids yeah. and stuff, and I don't know. It's,
0: it's just always. Oh, I, I was, can't believe you just said that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: if I had to choose, but I, right now I own both. We have three cats and one dog,
0: so I like I enjoy both. But I you know what's funny? I had, I had no idea you had three cats. Yeah, I thought you had one. It's funny. I've been to your house, and it just shows you my point. I definitely I know you have a dog. Yeah, I sure. did not know you had three cats and so for the most part cats are kind of a useless integration into your, your life but I also understand the points I mean yeah they are way less needy for the most part can be quite chill I just don't feel like I get enough feedback to make it worth my time anymore <laughs> sure fair, that's fair I mean I
1: get yeah, it I'm I get it. <laughs> I only choosing because I have to for the sake of this I know,
0: I, I, I know and at this point in my life I don't feel I can do either one There you go. one day.
1: So the next one you've got, Jay, and I will say, I think this next one is more of an American thing. So maybe our American listeners can let us know, because I don't think this discussion happens a lot in Canada.
0: I Um, hear it. Yeah? Okay. Well, why don't you talk about it? So it's um, pineapple as a pizza topping. Right. The age-old argument of the addition of pineapple to pizza is a polarizing topic. They make strong opinions in both camps. Supporters of the tropical fruit argue that its sweet and tangy flavor complements the saltiness of the cheese and other toppings. Furthermore, the juicy texture of pineapple adds a pleasant contrast to the crispy crust making for a delightful culinary experience reminiscent of other classic sweet savory dishes. However, opponents believe that pineapple and pizza don't mix well they argued that the sweetness of the fruit clashes with the savory flavor of the tomato sauce and cheese, reading the pizza altogether. To them, cooked pineapples, mushy and slimy textures, unappetizing, and they consider it a waste of valuable pizza space that could be occupied by other, more flavorful toppings. Ultimately, pineapples should be reserved for desserts, smoothies, not a pizza.
1: For me, definitely pineapple's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Uh, and I think the reason why, I think because... But do you have ha- a proper- or, uh, or just pineapple doesn't go with pepperoni. I could survive it though. Like if somebody actually made a pepperoni and pineapple pizza, I'd be like, I can power through. It wouldn't be gross, but it'd be, it'd be an odd choice. Obviously, pineapple and ham is the classic mixture. Yeah, and I would even argue it's ham and and feta cheese with the, with the pineapple would be a good mixture. I have no problem with pineapple on pizza when it makes sense with the toppings that it's hanging out with i mean it's the same with peanut butter and jelly like i like peanut butter by itself and i like jam by itself you don't put jam and honey together right i like both toppings on my sandwich but some things don't go together i would argue that uh, sorry that pineapple it is a great dessert as well it goes well in smoothies or on top of a banana split but it also fits on pizza with
0: ham i prefer not having it Oh wow. It's not like I would spit it out or anything or take it off the toppings when it was there, but uh, I, I never appreciated the <laughs> <laughs> its inclusion to
1: my Oh pizza. really? Yeah, I no, don't I don't know if I ever knew that. The listeners in our in our chat right now, they're all with you. They are saying no. Just no says Mia. Louise says it should be against the sorry, Geneva Convention. <laughs> Any pizza that has pineapple needs to be deposited directly into the garbage. Wow. I'm alone on this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know these people are kind of being silly, but yeah, like I would never order it. And if there was two pizzas, one with a pineapple and the same exact same pizza without the pineapple, I would take the one without the pineapple. Really? Okay. Yeah. I guess I'd probably just enjoy it more.
1: I've ordered ham and pineapple. I've made that an order. Oh, yeah. I would never do that. (laughs) got to draw the line somewhere it's just completely unacceptable <clears throat> it's uh it's funny where we don't uh, we don't agree on a couple of these i'm, su- I'm not saying i'm surprised but we started off strong with the toilet paper but we've been on separate sides <laughs> here's one now this is one i've actually this okay now we've talked before like have you had not an argument but we say argument but have you had a discussion with a significant other i.e a wife or spouse or whatever this one i actually have had a discussion with with becky my spouse and I know where I stand on this. I'm going to read it, but I know where I stand. I'll tell you why I know where I stand. Okay, but I'm going to have. I know where I stand too. Okay, all right, all right. Here we go. (laughs) Ketchup, (laughs) fridge versus pantry. So the debate over whether to store ketchup in the fridge or pantry is a hot topic. Some staunch supporters swear by chilled ketchup, while others argue that pantry storage is perfectly fine. Ketchup is a beloved condiment made with a blend of tomato paste, vinegar, sugar, and spices. However, exposure to heat. And humidity can lead to spoilage of these ingredients. To preserve the freshness and flavor of ketchup, refrigeration seems like the logical choice. Not to mention cold ketchup is a far more appetizing than its warm counterpart. There's nothing worse than squeezing warm water to ketchup onto your fries or burger. With refrigeration, ketchup is kept at the perfect temperature for maximum enjoyment. On the other hand, ketchup is a staple condiment that is used in copious amounts in most households. Refrigerating it... Takes up valuable space that could be used for more perishable items like milk or eggs. Moreover, ketchup contains preservatives that make it last for an extended period without refrigeration. The vinegar in ketchup acts as a natural preservative due to its acidity. I did do it right the first time. Acidity. Yeah. Yeah, I think you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, making it perfectly safe to store in the pantry. Okay, so what? Where's
0: your answer on this? Oh, refrigerator. I never have heard that people put it in their pantry before. And I would just assume once the seal is broken that you're starting to introduce the degradation of your ketchup. Fair. Yeah. So I just put it in the fridge. I've never heard of people putting ketchup uh, in the pantry or cupboard. I've never heard of that before. Well, you're about to have your mind blown.
1: You're you're, you're about to have your mind blown, (laughs) therefore. This (laughs) is what I'll die on. This is actually. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. (laughs) Those in our chat both say once it's opened, it goes in the refrigerator. So yep. I will again be on the other side. I'm the lone soldier on this side of the fence. Now, in the Rebalkan, Reiner Balkan household, yes, the ketchup up right now is in the fridge. This is a discussion I've had with Becky. I, I concede. I don't die on the hill. I'm in the Navy. And in the Navy, of course, we have hundreds of people eating food every day, three or four you know, meals a day in, in the main eatery, eating areas that we call the mess on the ship. Now every table has condiments that are left out on the table for the whole deployments. And they mm-hmm. are vinegar, soy sauce, ketchup, mustard, not mayo, egg product, right? These things are left, Jason, non-refrigerated for months on end. They go from the storage, The uh, kitchen hand opens them up, puts them on the table. When they're empty, they throw them out, bring a new one. None of them ever get refrigerated. I have empirical evidence that ketchup doesn't – so this argument's real because ketchup doesn't need to be refrigerated. Now, you could argue, yes, ketchup on the shelf and room temperature versus storage at the same amount of time after a year, which one would you rather eat? Of course, you would eat the one that was in the refrigerator for a year. But all things being equal, if you go through ketchup pretty regularly and quickly – at that point, it's just a matter of preference. How do you like your ketchup? There is no safety issue. That's all I mean by this. So
0: Okay, so there's no safety issue. So now it's uh, a question
1: of preference. Texture issue or yeah, cold versus warm. So you like the ketchup colder onto your burger or fries or whatever. Is that what you're
0: saying? So I would is it so? Okay. I think kind of having that contrast. So when you um, have have you ever had ketchup from a pack? Like a little plastic chair, sure. yeah, like yeah, yeah.
1: I have. Do you find your enjoyment is less when you do it like that? No, <laughs> I don't. You know, <laughs> yeah. So um. I think I, I think you're making a choice, but I think when it comes down to, I, I think. Okay,
0: so if you bought ketchup today, Ryan, and right. you were living in a home by yourself, yeah, would you open up the seal and then put it on your, I, hot, your no. <laughs> hot dog and French fries? Would you put then that ketchup in the fridge or the pantry? I, I, I probably would. Regardless of what you know.
1: I think if I was a single guy, yes, because I'd have room in the fridge. I kind of like that argument that you need room in the fridge for other stuff. Ketchup could be sacrificed. That's a good argument. It can be sacrificed if it's a safety thing. I'm indifferent, and I'm aware that it doesn't spoil. I'm on that side Mm -hmm. of it. But I'm also just highly indifferent, whether it's room temperature ketchup on my grilled cheese sandwich or refrigerator. I would be fine either way. But I'm trying to help those who are on the side of the Haskell in the pantry, that it does not spoil. I'm just saying there's empirical evidence as a the Navy guy months on end and all these different ports around the world, no one's I ever gotten yeah. 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 And mustard. same. That. Mustard's the same thing. So you can almost argue with mustard with the same argument. Mustard even lasts longer than ketchup.
0: Yeah, I believe that. I, I think I would just still put it in the fridge, maybe out of habit, peace of mind. It just uh, lasts longer. Know.
1: So it depends on how fast you maybe go through it. My friend, of course, you you know, Nathan, growing up, I'd go to his house. We'd have, you know, we'd snack at his house. So this was a legit argument we had as kids. Or really? Youth. No, not the ketchup. This one. Their family would put jam in the pantry and peanut butter in the fridge. So the peanut butter was always hard and couldn't smooth it. You couldn't, I'm not talking about natural peanut butter, you know, the jiffy, the, because we put our natural peanut butter in the fridge because it's that oily, right? Yeah. Oh, no sugar. But then they would put the jam in the pantry, so they have room temperature open jam in the pantry, and peanut butter in the fridge. Did we always have jam in the
0: fridge? Yes, you put jam in the fridge, peanut butter in the ca- in the in. The I the think pantry. the same reason why people don't put jam in the fridge is the same reason why you can leave ketchup out. I think jam is because of the high sugar content can last outside of the
1: refrigerator if you have jam, put this way if you have jam for the market versus peanut butter for the market i'd recommend refrigerating that jam it's going to mold i agree even it molds in the fridge we actually threw out a jam the other day because we don't go through jam yes very that's often. true
0: i ha- yes yes that is true it,
1: usually it's on the lid more than it but it just shows you that it molds in the fridge so if it molds in the fridge it's molding in that cover now you could argue well ryan we go through a container in a week okay fair but uh, talk about the contrast i want to pull Cool jam, put it on my hot toast. Versus, and I want to have warmer peanut, you know, smooth, dripping peanut butter on my bread, not like chunky, yeah. like not, like you got to roll. You know, when you roll the peanut, it's like it's not moving so hard; <laughs> yeah. it doesn't move. You just yeah. roll it on the toast. That's not on the list. But let us know if jam is in the fridge, peanut butter is in the cupboard, unless it's an old natural the peanut butter with ah. the oils. This one's going to be uh, curious how you're going to present this because how you present it will actually be where you stand on the argument. If that makes sense, so.
0: How to pronounce the word spelt <laughs> G-I-F. Yeah. How do you pronounce G-I-F? This is a, this one has been talked about. Yeah. I'm not even sure how I do it. Because this argument, every time I say it, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. So correct pronunciation of the acronym G-I-F. It's a topic of lively linguistic debate, often leading to playful disagreements, even among close couples. The question arises whether it should be pronounced with a hard G, like GIF, or a soft G, like GIF. Advocates for the hard G argue that since the G in GIF stands for graphics, which is pronounced with a hard G, it is only logical to pronounce the acronym with a hard G. On the other hand, supporters of the soft G point out that the creator of GIFs, Steve Wilhite, Himself pronounced it with a soft G and he should have the final say in his pronunciation. That's how I remember, yes, is because I have heard that that uh, that guy says it with a soft G. Those in favor of the soft G also bring up the example of the word giraffe, which is pronounced with a soft G sound despite having the same G I combination as GIF. They believe that is like a giraffe. GIF should also be pronounced with a soft G. Okay. Ultimately the debate over the pronunciation right. of GIF or JIF. It's likely to continue, but it's important to respect both sides of the recipe. Yeah, I, res- oh, I respect you. <laughs> 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 I, got, I got heavy RPs respect. Our opinions might be different, but I, I respect you. I respect um, them. I, I think I do GIF. Okay. Because I was surprised that the creator, that's yes. right, I have done GIF. I'm a hard G. I agree, guy.
1: it's GIF. I'm a hard G guy too because of the graphics. So, despite the creator of the acronym or the creator of the, sorry, not of the acronym, the creator of the technology to create GIFs, yeah. like he created how to do it, right? So, he's the creator. Cool. Now, he pronounced it with a soft G. That's fine. But because it does stand for, I think it's graphics interface something. Oh, I have no for? idea. Okay, here we go. So it stands for Graphics Interchange Format. Hmm. Cool. Okay, so I'm going with GIF as well because I kind of like logic in this sense. It, that is the acronym. So the acronym is. You can also argue, well, Ryan, acronyms when they spell a word. The letters in the word don't follow the rules of the word that they're in, if that makes sense. Like they can't or else the word doesn't make sense. So it's a it's a tough sell. I mean you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of an example of that where mothers against drunk driving mad, right? We say mad, but it's a double D. We don't go
0: mad. D- d- right we... I don't know. GIF just sounds it sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound weird. It sounds, I don't know. When whenever these came out, I would just I naturally just pronounce the GIF. Like to me. It just made sense. I had no idea that was connected with, I'm saying GIF because of graphics. Yeah. I too. just looked at the thing and said, oh, that's GIF. Louis said, like Ron Burgundy, I prefer jogging with
1: a soft J. <laughs> uh, he also said that logic tells me a hard G, but the creator says soft G, it's soft G. So he's kind of siding with the creator of the technology. Well, I mean,
0: so if that's, that's a good the argument. way it is pronounced, then that is the way it's pronounced. I'm not going to argue that. When presented, not knowing what it was, naturally, I went towards GIF. I still find it odd to say GIF. G, typically hard. A hard G. Usually. It's not very often we get the soft G, is it? Like um, give, gratitude, Yeah, gambling. <laughs> what other soft G words are there? I think what there might somebody? be some
1: confusion, too, because it sounds like gift. Like, I, I'm going to give you a gift. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Gift is a hard G. That's G-I. No, but I mean it sounds like so. I think people use GIF is what I'm getting at because oh. GIF sounds like the word GIF. So it's kind of confusing. Well, I'm just GIFs. saying they use in
0: this, they use the example of giraffe as a way to argue it, that it's, it's not giraffe. Yeah. I, yeah. All right.
1: There you go. Okay. Next one, Jason. Squeezing the toothpaste. So the toothpaste dilemma, a playful yet divisive issue that plagues households. On one hand, some swear by the squeeze from the middle technique, which provides a consistent and equal distribution of toothpaste from top to bottom. It's a practical and efficient approach that eliminates the need to constantly push the paste towards the opening. Additionally, squeezing from the middle presents toothpaste from accumulating at the bottom, which can lead to drying out or getting stuck. On the other hand, there are those who believe in the roll from the bottom method, which ensures that no air bubbles get trapped in the tube this helps prevent the toothpaste from drying out and allows for precise control over how much toothpaste comes out. By using this approach, you'll always use just the right amount of toothpaste each time. So which method do you prefer? The choice is yours, Jason.
0: So more recently, I've been using... Why, really? You have this much of a disguise? Okay. <laughs> it's Wow. Funny. wow. Okay, it's funny. I can sit back. Right, sit back. Right, right, literally a couple of days ago, I had this thought. The toothpaste that I'm using is like a, this crest charcoal. They're smaller tubes. and They have, it's a harder plastic that kind of springs back. Like the tube doesn't stay stuck in its position. I appreciate it because I feel like I can squeeze it and, and get it without having to do all the other squeeze from the middle and all the rest. Right. So the toothpaste tube design has improved in such a way that this dilemma might die off at least for me. But the older toothpaste tubes and stuff, yes, I probably started off just by squeezing, just willy-nilly. But eventually you have to go, I'm losing toothpaste to the bottom of the tube and I need to consciously make sure I'm not wasting and getting as much of the toothpaste out as I possibly can. Ultimately, you have to push from the bottom. (laughs) That's a lot of information, but... We're I'm thankful deep. for the newer toothpaste tube. Mia
1: says, "Roll that thing up." I'm with Louise on this. He goes both ways. When it's full, it's a free for all. Yeah. <laughs> when Events, it gets lumpy, yeah. time to get the roll. Time to get my roll on. He says. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I never thought about it till we, uh, of course, curated the internet for uh, people's arguments about silly things. Yeah. I have noticed though my toothpaste that I use every night. I literally grab that thing, full fist grab, and I just squeeze. I just like squeeze. <laughs> it's old, deformed, and like it's actually like crooked. And so I'm definitely a squeezer. Just grab, just just grab and squeeze. When the toothpaste does start to run a little thin, when that. Initial squeeze doesn't get you much, then yeah, you have to start collecting. So there's that. And then, uh, but I'm also such a cheapskate too. Like I'm, so I literally, with shampoo, for example, when it gets near the end, I'll add water to it, swish it around to get the last bits of shampoo in my hair before I throw the bottle away. Uh, With peanut butter jam, you know, whatever, I scrape it with a spatula, get the last bits out. I empty everything. I paid for that product. I'm using every last drop. And so the same with toothpaste. When I get to the end of toothpaste, I literally will take my toothbrush and I will squeeze every last, like, you know, when you put it on the counter, take the toothbrush, put the oh, pressure. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a roller. I'm like a ply as much, you know, 100 pounds per square inch of pressure, squeezing that toothpaste <laughs> right the end. Yeah. So I guess at the beginning, I'm a squeezer. And at the end, I'm a roller. I'm also
0: like in denial that there isn't <laughs> – there's got to be more toothpaste in this tube. You're like pushing like up against yeah. like the screw. There's got to be more. Uh, okay. All right. You've got – the next one. Packing for a trip. Fold versus roll. Packing for a trip can be a fun experience, especially when you debate the best way to do it. Some people take pride in meticulously folding their clothes while others happily roll them up. Here are two packing techniques to consider. Opt for rolling your clothes. If you want to save space in your luggage and avoid wrinkles, rolling allows you to pack more clothes in a smaller space, leaving you with more room for souvenirs or other essentials. Plus, you can keep your favorite vacation outfits wrinkle-free without sacrificing space for them. Alternatively, if you prefer your clothes to be organized and easily accessible, folding them is the way to go. You won't have to dig through a pile of clothes to find what you need. Folding also lets you pack your clothes more efficiently so you can see everything you've packed at a glance. You don't risk a chaotic suitcase. Instead, you fold your clothes for a stress-free packing experience.
1: Yeah, we just did a trip, so my wife and I, and we packed for the week-long trip. I definitely rolled. Now, I'm a bit of a, what do you call bipartisan with a lot of these cats and dogs. I do both, you know, squeeze and roll. It just depends. I don't make a conscious effort, like I'm going to do it this way the whole way through. I roll my underwear and socks and undershirts kind of together. But then I will sort of fold my shirts or shorts. I don't roll my shorts, so I do a bit of both. If I have enough room in my luggage, I don't have to be that neat and tidy because the luggage is going to be closed up. Nobody sees it and just gets to your hotel. Who cares, right? And you, just, you pretty much dump everything on when you get there. I'm a bit of a roller when it comes to the underwear and a sock. And then I kind of fold the clothes, like they're saying here that you can look at it at a glance. Like, I want to
0: wear this shirt today or, you know. I'm neither. I'm uh Just dump it in? Li- lie it into the suitcase and hope it works out. There you go. I, I don't think I make a conscious decision one way or the other. I just kind of toss it in. Lay it mm. out flat, maybe. Do you stuff? Yeah, I don't do scrunch. Do do? Obviously, I don't go like you know scrunch right. it, but I just kind of toss it in and... Hope it yeah. works? Hope, hope you pack yeah. everything? Okay.
1: I do like... I'm a bit more organized because I do like to have... Like I said, like the shirt socks. I usually wear like a black shirt underneath a, sh- a hoodie or something.
0: So I have the socks and underwear kind of like one side of the suitcase. and then I, have- I will organize it that way. Yeah, I'll okay. have, you know, like kind of sections. I'm going to put all my socks in now. I'm going to put my jeans in. I'm going right. to put my underwear in. I'm going to put my T-shirts in.
1: Do you ever do this? We were gone six days, so I'd actually put on my bed. Six pairs of socks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Six yeah. pairs of undershirts, and all together. Doo, 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 doo. Here's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Good. I'm good to go for the underclothes. I, I only brought like a couple hoodies and a couple shirts. I'll rewear the uh, an overshirt two or three days, and I don't care. To me, it doesn't get dirty because I want to pack light. Louis said, uh, same roll socks and underwear, fold shirts and pants. Have tried to roll shirts and pants, but I'm not good at it, and it just ends up taking up more space and time. Yeah, the pants are harder to roll. You got to be like a really keen on how to roll those jeans or pants. Okay. The next one, the dishwasher debate. And what is this? Well, do you ever find yourself in a lively debate with friends or family over whether to pre-wash dishes or let the dishwasher do the job? This topic is causing discussions in kitchens everywhere. No debate for me. For those who believe in rinsing dishes first, it's not about wasting water or time. It's about getting dishes truly clean. Relying solely on the dishwasher to remove all food residue is not always effective. Just as you wouldn't wipe off a sticky food residue from your hand with a napkin, you shouldn't rely solely on the dishwasher to do the job. By rinsing dishes beforehand, you're helping the dishwasher to work more efficiently and effectively. On the other hand, some argue that it's a waste of time and water to pre-wash dishes. The dishwasher is designed to handle food residue. So why waste time and water rinsing dishes that will get washed again anyway additionally by skipping the pre-rinse step you're conserving water and you're doing your part for the environment every drop counts and we should all strive to conserve water whenever possible okay so jason where do you land on this
0: my time is precious so i'm not doing a pre-rinse now of course if there's like a lot of debris like you no. know scraps or whatever else, scrape it off I would prefer to wash after a dishwasher load if something wasn't clean, but I'm not gonna spend a lot of time pre washing dishes. I
1: No, I'm I'm more or less the same way. Obviously if you let's say you have spaghetti meatballs, I'm not throwing in chunks of meatballs and spaghetti into the dishwasher. Right. So you do the scrape into the garbage or to the compost or do the scrape, but there's particles and sauce on there. Yeah, I don't care. Is she 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 going in there.
0: Yeah. I trust technology to t- take yeah. care of the most most of it and the chemicals from the detergent. I always find it
1: fascinating that the dishwasher does have a unique I don't know what it
0: is. Like if you put it in a Tupperware container,
1: right, that had tomato sauce in it, it has that or oily and it, when you hand wash it sometimes you never quite get that oil off or the slick, the mm-hmm. slick off of plastic. Mm-hmm. The dishwasher has that ability it takes the slick away. Is it the detergent that's the key? Like the the different Because there's a different type of detergent that goes into the dishwasher, right? So is it the the liquid or those pelts that makes the dishwasher feel different? They're almost, when they're so dry, they come out very, there's no slick. They're so clean. It's like you can't even slide your hands across. Yeah, you can't slide it across. Yeah. yeah. And why is it too that, uh, I'll put a pot in there that has the crusties or whatever. It does doing amazing, it's not like it's that high of pressure. So again, is it the dishwasher breaking down the part? How does it break down the particles in the dishwasher? Let us know. I'm always curious about that. Whereas if you put it under a spray hose, even your sink has a, you know has that spray hose thing, it doesn't quite
0: get it off, but the dishwasher seems to. My thinking is, is the detergents, the detergents that the dishwasher uses, is probably more caustic, you know, like uh, has more of a, uh, it's not necessarily the pressure during the dishwashing cycle as it sprays those chemicals around it, it will sit and soak in those chemicals longer so it's not like it's always wash and wash and wash I think there's times where it's kind of those chemicals are soaking on your dishes and this is one of the reasons why I've heard that you don't do a pre rinse is mm. because you can wear out or your dishes because they are already so clean that the, the chemicals on the dishes are being eaten away or worn away from the caustic properties of the hmm. detergent.
1: Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the detergent as well. It's something about the detergent that does something over and over again on the, on Yeah, and it's,
0: it sits there. So dishwashing cycles have increased in time and the reasons they've increased in time it's because they want to use less water and they rely on the detergent to do more of the work rather than the actual constant spray. So maybe when we were younger, you put your dishes in and it might go for like say 45 minutes. You know, of course you can put on a quick cycle, obviously you can program that in. But if you were to do a regular dishwasher load, like it's usually quite long. And the reason it's long is because it's soaking longer in the detergent therefore requiring less water over the period of the wash.
1: So, Louise said his dishwasher has been broken for like seven years. Can be a pain in the butt, but I'm so used to hand washing at this point since it's been so long. But he was a pre-rinse guy
0: before the dark times. So, I think pre-rinse is an older version of dishwashers weren't being as effective. Mm, okay, and they were fine. relying more on the, the spray to get stuff done and there was always the idea oh, the dishwasher doesn't get the dishes as clean as, mm. as we think they do dishwasher technology has grown in such a way that is less and less required okay that's fair the yeah and if something comes out dirty I guess I'll sure. do a little bit Yeah. okay you've got the next one Jay <laughs> socks with sandals Okay, the debate over wearing socks with sandals is a playful fashion feud that ignites it. Some scoff at the combination while others embrace the comfort and quirky style it offers. Those who believe that wearing socks with sandals is a fashion faux pas argue that the combination is clunky and defeats the purpose of sandals. Sandals are designed to give your feet a breather in hot weather, while socks are more formal and structured. Wearing socks with sandals can give off a Grandpa Ready for a Sunday Nap vibe and throw fashion out the window entirely. However, others see wearing socks with sandals as a daring and bold fashion statement that exudes confidence. When done right, the combo can be functional and fashionable, especially when it gets chilly. Pairing the right socks with the right sandals is key, and it can be a fun nod to retro fashion. In fact, many vintage looks feature socks with sandals, making it a trendy way to pay homage to the past while staying stylish.
1: It's cliche for a reason. The older I get, the less I kind of care about maybe how I look. Not to say like I take care of myself. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying... Maybe my shirt doesn't match my shorts and Becky will be like, Yo, Ryan, you know, Ryan, you can't wear that, that combo doesn't work. I guess I'm not aware because I don't care. I don't want to be noticed either way. Like I don't want to be noticed. Regarding socks and sandals, I kind of lean towards like whatever makes you comfortable. Not even like whatever you feel comfortable in. I'm saying whatever literally makes you feel more comfortable. So the idea if it gets a little bit breezy, the day started off warm, let's say, the breeze came in off the oceans and you have to have a pair of socks on so you put them on with the sandals whatever so be it you could also argue that socks would help me with blistering if you're going for a long walk so you have a combination the air is still coming through your feet a little bit cuz you're just wearing socks almost really with the with the sandal you still getting the airflow I understand the fashion faux pas is where the biggest argument comes from. I think at the yeah. end of the day, when people when people see this, it's only about fashion. So I guess I'm a little bit more libertarian. If you feel more comfortable, like physically more comfortable wearing the socks because you don't want to blister or whatever it is, then I actually don't care. Fanny packs look terrible, but they are very convenient. And another one that's convenient too is the headband I do a lot of running and now it's summertime. And a headband legit would stop the sweating from drop dripping onto my eyebrows and on my face. But I would never wear one, I admit, I, I don't wear a headband, but it actually the functionality, it works. That's what they're for. It's to
0: stop the dripping into your eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but I won't wear one, I admit I
0: I do wear a fanny a fanny pack when I go for a jog. I put my cell phone in. Right. You to with the old school fanny packs, you know, you put your wall and sunglasses Yeah, in but They're very the functional. Leather. If I saw somebody walking around with a fanny pack, I'm like, good on you because that makes a lot I, of yeah. sense. It does make a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. Especially nowadays for, you know, specifically for guys, if you're wearing a pair of like, say, athletic shorts, if you go out you know, run a couple errands and you're wearing like a shorts that have minimalistic amount of pockets. And we all have like these giant cell phones. Maybe you got like your AirPods with you. You got your wallet. You don't really have the pockets to put all those things. So a fanny pack makes a lot of sense. But anyway, back to the socks. Yeah. I'm not really a sandals person unless I, like I'm at, like at a beach or I'm walking from my car on a, Small trail to a beach or to water or to the lake. I would never like put sandals on to go to Costco to do my right. run my errands. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the bank and, and and wear sandals. I'm not that guy, and I'm definitely not the guy to wear socks with my sandals to go run errands in. The only time I would wear sandals typically, like I, I'm envisioning. Ninety-nine percent of my existence would be to a recreational activity, and if that recreational activity requires sandals, it definitely doesn't require socks. You wear sandals to? I'm gonna go to the bank. I'm gonna stand no, in the line at the no. bank.
1: At the end of the day, I'm gonna side with no. I won't wear socks with sandals because if I'm truly wearing sandals, I'm literally at the beach. I'm at the lake. But if I'm gonna run an errand, no, I'm putting on sh- uh, short socks with my with sneakers or whatever. I don't like to yeah. have my toes exposed at, in public. <laughs> Now, I have nice feet, but the whole idea of walking through Walmart or something, I, I don't know. It's, yeah.
0: We're on the same page, I think, on this yep. one.
1: Uh, Louis says it's a terrible look. Hell, even just wearing sandals can be a fashion faux pas unless you're on yes. the beach. Okay, yeah, I agree. I, I agree um, with that. All right. Uh, well, we're on the last one. Here we go. Here's the last one. Hot dog as a sandwich. This is a, a true discussion. Again, this is the lighthearted. Culinary debate that's sure to add some flavor to your next barbecue. So let's consider the definition of a sandwich a Filling placed between two pieces of bread If we apply that definition to a hot dog the bun is essentially a single piece of bread that's been partially sliced Open to create a hinge and the filling that's clearly the hot dog itself so technically speaking a hot dog meets the criteria for being the sandwich However, some argue that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Unlike a traditional sandwich made with sliced bread, a hot dog bun is more like a roll. And the filling? It's a hot dog, not sliced meat or cheese. Furthermore, if you were to order a hot dog at a sandwich shop, you wouldn't expect to receive a sandwich. It's its own unique category of food that shouldn't be labeled as a sandwich.
0: I have never heard this debate before. It definitely sounds like a sandwich to me. But that last line about if you went to Subway, I mean, but see, Subway sandwiches are very similar in design as a hot dog. Well, they don't have it on the menu. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, most sandwich shops wouldn't include, like, if you were to go to to a traditional soup and sandwich shop, okay, right? No, cafeteria or cafe or whatever, you, you wouldn't see hot
1: dog on the menu. That's a good argument. So if you were to open, let's just say you, Jason, were to open a soup and sandwich cafeteria, would you ever consider making hot dogs? No,
0: I wouldn't. I I don't think it would have crossed my mind. And uh, that's probably why there are hot dog stands and then the rest of sandwiches. But I think a hot dog technically is a sandwich.
1: This is kind of a callback to the GIF or JIF. Technically, it should be GIF because it stands for graphics. But... At the same time, I think it sounds better to say jiff in some degree. But I'm going to side with, it's not a sandwich. It leans towards more of a, but even hoagies are called hoagie sandwiches. I think they call them hoagie sandwiches. What do you call a a Subway sandwich? A a Subway sandwich. That's the same idea. It's a Subway. It's a bun with meat. But
0: what is the old term for that? Is that a hoagie?
1: Yeah, hoagie. I think a hoagie is another word. I don't know
0: if it's old or whatever. The hoagie Yeah, is I mean, I remember Subway. hearing hoagie sandwiches. Yeah. Subway, it's like Xerox and photocopying. A lot of times you grew up saying Xerox, but it's actually photocopying. So is a Subway sandwich, what is like the traditional word before Subway kind of took it over? I'm going to go to chat GBT.
1: I'm just going to ask it. What finds a sandwich? How much is a type of food consisting of one or more fillings placed between two slices of bread or bread-like product. Yeah. The defining characteristic of a sandwich is the presence of the bread or bread-like component that encloses the filling. The bread can be in the form of slices, rolls, buns, baguettes, or other types of bread products. According to the artificial intelligence gathering data from around the world in a hyper-second... It does say that that is what a sandwich is. It has See, bread. It a hamburger.
0: Yeah, that's the same idea. Hamburger is a type of. So you could have like a meatloaf sandwich, right? Like your old, your cold date leftover meatloaf. You could slice it and put it between bread and then have it for lunch the next day. You would call that a sandwich. You would call So here's it, the a thing a burger is a
1: type of sandwich.
0: So a hot dog is a type of
1: sandwich. I think, I think technically it has have to say it is a sandwich in the sense yeah. that a sandwich is a – if you look at a sandwich as a – oh, here's the thing. It's like, say, an automobile. A truck is an automobile. Yeah. A, a Corvette is an automobile. But a Corvette is not a truck. That's what I think is happening here is that a sandwich is a sandwich. Now, we have hoagies. We have hot dogs. We have meatloaf sandwiches. We have uh, hamburgers. The sandwich is the automobile of these things. The umbrella definition of a variety of different. So we have a peanut butter and jam sandwich, yes. We also have a hoagie. And you could put peanut butter and jam within that hoagie bread. You could put it in and it would just taste like a sandwich. It's just shaped different. The bread's shaped differently. That's all.
0: Even back in the day, we would make hot dogs, slice yeah, and then you put it on a sandwich like <laughs> yeah. slice bread if you all we don't have buns. So I guess we'll use bread slices instead.
1: I, I agree with the AI definition that yeah, I do too. It's, a, it's bread and you it can be a roll, whatever the shape it's bread and you put something between the bread, you put the two things together and you put it in your mouth despite the shape. So the hot dog falls under the sandwich tree. All right, so here we go. So now we're gonna list off the things really quickly and then we're gonna pick which we think is the lamest thing to argue about, maybe. okay. Over or under, toilet paper, cat versus dogs. Pineapples and pizza topping. Ketchup, fridge versus pantry. How to pronounce G-I-F. Squeeze the toothpaste, packing for a trip. The dishwasher debate. Socks with sandals and hot dogs as a sandwich. I think for me, the one that's the least battle to die on a hill would be the packing for a trip. Let's say my spouse says, Ryan, you must roll the clothes or fold them. I'm like, sure, honey, whatever. S-s-s-s- as long as it gets into the luggage. I, I actually don't care that much. But so if you take over and fold my clothes versus rolling them like I'm doing, it won't emotionally bug me. I wouldn't die on that hill. I think other ones are more passionate arguments. Like you could, I know the toilet paper is one. I know the ketchup could be one. The pineapple and pizza is definitely a hot topic. Cat versus dogs are hot topics. So people do die on those hills, but I think the luggage one might not be that big of a deal. What do you think?
0: I agree. That's the one okay. I was thinking. Mostly yeah, because cool. I don't think I consciously decide either way. I think I just literally just put clothes in, count how many days I have and just yeah. kind of toss it in.
1: Fun discussion. Uh, ironically, this was a longer episode than our time travel discussion. <laughs> I think it's because these are easier topics to talk about where we have a little bit more to riff on, where we're talking about uh, high-end uh, theories and quantum mechanics. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say here. I'm stupid. We can talk about stupid topics like toilet paper and toothpaste. So remember, in front of every silver lining, there's a cloud. And today it was luggage or laundry, packing for a trip, fold versus roll.